This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Well, today I'm at Fordham University's Lincoln Center with award-winning actress, playwright, and director Regina Taylor. The Dallas-born star is known for her role as Lily Harper in the 90s TV series I'll Fly Away. That earned her a Golden Globe win. Taylor's performed in a number of films, including Lean on Me, Clockers, and Courage Under Fire. Now the Denzel Washington Endowed Chair in Theater at Fordham is here to share her experience, advice, and tell us about bringing her play Magnolia to a New York City audience. Welcome to Fordham Conversations, Regina. Thank you. So I want to start, um, I do want to discuss your play Magnolia in a little bit, but first, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? I have been a writer my whole life. I think from the time I was about four years old, I remember uh, being on the floor of construction paper and crayons and my mother's hand on mine. Uh, She was showing me how to create a children's book. Uh, that, I think, was the best gift uh, that my mother gave me, was to give me the idea that creativity is a survival tool, that you can live a creative life, and in that you can create yourself. As this world is putting names on you, that you can create your own name through being a very creative person. You, what, how was your mom? Was she creative also? Yes, she was. She yeah. loved writing. She loved painting. She loved the arts, and she introduced me to the arts. And can you describe what your name means? Yes. My name was given to me by my mother to help me to navigate through this world, and that name is Queen Regina. And she wanted to help inspire you to kind of live up to that name, you think? I, I think she uh, wanted to gift me with a name counter to other names that might be given to me in this world. Hmm. And then she encouraged me to create my own name. So how did she inspire you? Was it words of wisdom? Was it the way she lived her life? What did she do to inspire you? She loved books. My grandmother loved books. My, My grandmother had a sixth grade education. And I remember going into a room, and it was always lined with books, all sorts of books, from the Bible to Shakespeare to Moliere to James Baldwin, Maya Angelou. She loved uh, reading voraciously, and so did my mother. It was introducing me to worlds beyond this scratch of earth that I was born from, Dallas, Texas, the West Dallas Projects, of a single mother They inspired me to dream, to think of other lives and other ways of living, moving through the world. Uh, They, uh, through books, you immerse yourself and you time travel and you step into other people's skin, see the world through their eyes, and come back to yourself, come back to your own life, uh, hopefully with a greater sense of the world and who you are in it. Well, we know you love writing, but do you also love reading as much as your grandma and your ma did? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Favorite book? I don't have favorite <laughs> books. I, I'm pretty eclectic. I love books. Yep. All right, what are you reading now? Right now, I'm I'm in the middle of tech for Magnolia, <laughs> <laughs> and that's keeping me pretty busy. Um, so Thank I want to talk. A, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you starting out. What was your earliest uh, acting role? My earliest professional acting role was uh, shortly after I got to Southern Methodist University. And um, it was 
Crisis Central High, starring Joanne Woodward. I kind of fell into it when I went to college. I uh, knew that I wanted to be a writer, and I was going to be a journalist, try and do something practical. Uh, my counselor said, why don't you take an acting class for an easy A? So I took that class, <laughs> and I fell in love with acting for many of the same reasons I, I love books uh, it is. Uh, I love writing to immerse yourself into other worlds and other other beings. Uh, you give yourself fully to the character. You live through them. Uh, so I had taken an acting class, and it was at that time they were doing live performances for TV, and they were going to film that on the SMU stage. And Henry Fonda came to school, and. Uh, he was going to do the oldest living graduate. So I was so excited that he was at the school, and I started following down the hallway. I was too shy to go over and say hello, so I was stalking him. And his agent saw me. She tapped me on the shoulder. She said, are you an actress? I said, okay, yes, yes, I am. And she said, there's uh, this audition that's coming up this weekend. Do you want to go? I said, sure. And uh, I went there. It was Motel 7 off of the freeway on the weekend, and I, I brought my, my biggest cousin with me, uh, and he took a Polaroid camera, and that was my headshot, and I made up a resume. And I went in, and I got the job. This uh, TV movie, Crisis at Central High, starring Joanne Woodward, about the first students to integrate the Arkansas school system. At the Little Rock Nine took my first plane ride that summer to Arkansas to shoot that show, uh, and then came back to SMU and and finished school. And then were you thinking at this point, like I definitely know I want to go into acting now? Like, uh, sorry, journalism, you're losing out on on this career because I'm going for, for absolutely. I changed my major to theater, uh, and yes, um, I. Uh, continued then with acting and as I started acting then my writing uh, turned into uh, playwriting. So can I ask um, what did your mom think about you saying okay I'm going to go from something that might be a very you know easy career to get into and you know. Well journalism we know is not easy <laughs> but no, uh, not. it was it was Steady, more practical. More, yes. practical. Uh, more practical dream than acting and my mother has always been very encouraging. It is to dare uh, to find that which is going to make you happy in this world. I think because of where she came from, and uh, grandparents were sharecroppers. Uh, she became a teacher, and then she worked for Social Security. Uh, and she took certain jobs because uh, she was a single mother, uh, so she had to be practical. But uh, she was always a dreamer, and I think she imparted those dreams into me. Go for that which um, will fulfill you, make you happy. You're a creative person. Follow that line. So I was very happy that she was always encouraging and supporting. Now, my other relatives 
they were like, oh, my God, <laughs> Leonel Taylor's daughter has lost her mind. <laughs> but then all the, they see all the success that you have now. Has yeah. that changed a little bit? They're like, hey, you know. The tune has changed. <laughs> that's my cousin. That's my aunt. That's why I'm really proud of her now. <laughs> so um, you, you shared at one point um, in my research that you – spent time in New York City. Now, you're from Texas, but uh, you spent some formative years here in New York City. Mm -hmm. So what brought you to the Big Apple? Yes, after I graduated from SMU, then I tried to figure um, where should I plant myself uh, to be an actress. Uh, would that be L.A.? Would that be New York? I took a trip uh, right after I graduated. I took a trip to L.A. and New York, and I loved really uh, love New York. That took hold immediately. Um, I, I love that you can walk down uh, the streets and you're in different countries for a uh, little country girl <laughs> from <laughs> Dallas, Texas. This was very exciting, a very exciting city where you can walk through Central Park and you see different performers uh, that are so exquisite uh, and they have their, their hat on the ground. Uh, for for dimes and dollars, that you have uh, the free museums on Tuesday, that you can be an usher on Broadway and see these Broadway shows. This was very exhilarating, very exciting. I learned a lot as I came into New York, and I stayed here for about 20 years. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with actress, playwright, and director Regina Taylor. She's discussing her career, her role as the Denzel Washington Endowed Chair in Theater here at Fordham, and her play, Magnolia. Now uh, now that you're back in New York City for a, for a short amount of time, um, what place did you have to revisit when you got here? Was it a restaurant? Was it a neighborhood? Was there something that you missed? I love going up to Harlem and seeing what's going on there now. Yeah, it's changed, it's changed a lot. so much. Yeah, I, I like to find myself in terms of what, what is still there, uh, the Studio Museum of Harlem, uh, and what's new there. Um, the restaurants and just the whole lay of the land, the terrain has shifted. Uh, it's still recognizable uh, and uh, it's popping. I know you've been working pretty hard uh, here at Fordham, but have you gotten a chance to see any plays while you're here? I have not. not. No. Yes, I uh, work here six days a week with rehearsal. Uh, we work from 6 to 11 during the week, and then uh, we uh, work from uh, noon till 6 on the weekends. And I'm working on three other projects of, of upcoming shows as I'm here as well. So no time to have fun. Unless, <laughs> All know. of this is fun. <laughs> All this is fun to, to you? To me, uh, I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And certainly I have had a ball here at Fordham Working with the students here is such a great pleasure. They are so brilliantly talented. They have the technique, they have the heart, and um, they're a revelation every day. And now some of these students are going to be in your performance of Magnolia. That's um, right. Can you summarize the story for the audience? Magnolia is set 
1963 Atlanta, Georgia. The backdrop is the rolling tides of change are uh, is about to hit in Atlanta, Georgia, as we have seen these changes happening across the country, the civil rights movement, uh, that you have at this moment in time a new mayor. The old mayor tells him, whatever you do, don't do anything you can take a picture of. Don't do anything you can take a picture of. Uh, because we, we've seen how things have happened in Mississippi in uh, other parts across the South uh, with uh, rioting, with, with bombings, with don't do anything you can take a picture of. So the first thing the mayor, uh, new mayor does is uh, he's seeing that black realtors are circling around the Peyton area, a white area of town, and they want to just slow things down because they know change is coming, but we want to do this in an orderly and slow fashion. So what he does, he see erects a barricade that pretty much says, do not cross. Black people are not going to buy over this line at this moment in time. Everybody comes down, uh, reporters come down, they uh, take a picture of it, and it's headline news. Which Atlanta's. is direct contradiction, right? Of what, uh, exactly. His, of what the original mayor told him uh, to do. He gave him <laughs> the advice, don't do, any, don't do anything you can take a picture of. And that's exactly what he does. So it is uh, labeled Atlanta's Berlin Wall. There are sit-ins, uh, there are marches that are happening in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the backdrop. Just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, you have a suburb of Atlanta, about a half, a half an hour out, called the Magnolia Estate. From this estate comes this African-American businessman, Thomas, who, uh, whose grandparents, great-grandparents, were slaves on that plantation. He swears, even though he's born there, that he will never go back to that plantation again. He lives in Atlanta proper, and he lives in Sweet Auburn, the black side of town. You have Lily Forrest, who is a daughter of the estate, very rebellious, a white woman who feels very confined by the expectations of what a white woman should be in this moment in time in the South, Atlanta. So she's been traveling the globe being a bohemian. She said that she will never come back. However, at this moment in time, uh, the matriarch of the family is dying. Lily Forrest needs to come back home because this place, this 40 acres of magnolia trees, this home is about to uh, go up for foreclosure. So she has to come back and deal with where she comes from and with that deal with her legacy, which is very complicated. Thomas, who is close to Lily, decides he wants to help the family. He comes back. To a place he said he never would. Yeah, to that plantation where he said he would never go back to again to try to help this family with his business sense. What do you need to do to salvage your inheritance as this place is about to fall? Uh, he says you should chop it up, erase certain structures, and rebuild uh, you can then rent or you can sell 
the place outright, and you can live off the profits for the rest of your life. You can send your children, your children's children, off to college and to other lives off of the profit uh, from selling this place. We have the question of what do we do uh, in terms of this place. Uh, and depending on who looks at it, this great, grand, opulent uh, place with rich and complex history, and that history has to do with slavery. This history has to do uh, with uh, the inequality of our past uh, and how certain fortunes are built on this past. Uh, so uh, what do we do with that, uh, which depending on how you look at it, uh, Thomas looks at this beautiful grand place and he sees the suffering of his great-grandparents, his grandparents, the lynching of his brother on this land. So uh, how Lily looks at things and how he looks at the same things are different. And that's how uh, I think we as a country in dealing with race were haunted by the past. And our different perspectives. And our different perspectives, yes. So in creating these two diverse people, mm -hmm. um, how did you find the voice for each? I'm always amazed when I'm reading a book or watching a play where it's one person, one writer, but they can tell these two totally different perspectives. How did you go about telling those and finding the voice for each of these different, this Lily and this Thomas character? Well, certainly I, I connect to Thomas that is haunted by the past, continues to affect uh, how I move through the world today because of the color of my skin. With Lily, she is someone who is a transgressor. She says, I will not be labeled, I will not be owned by a system as a woman who tries to tell me what I can and cannot do, how I should move, how I should act. I, I understand that very well as well, her side of things, even though she's a white woman. Uh, and certainly my, my past in terms of being a woman and my great-grandparents uh, in terms of uh, grandmother uh, in terms of being a woman, those are, uh, those are similar paths but different, mm -hmm. very different. Uh, but certainly I can connect to, to Lily generally how women are still not treated equally in this country and across the world, no matter what color you are. Regina, do you find that, um, Regina, what do you want your audience to walk away with mm. when they see this play Magnolia? Well, I think for me, it is to bring different communities together uh, around the issue of race and gender in this country, where we've been and where we are right now. Uh, where we are right now seems to be rolling back in terms of civil rights passages in the law uh, that, that people are challenging at this moment in time. Uh, voting rights, 
certain rights that, that are being questioned and with the possibility of erasure. Today, we're dealing with the issues of who we are as Americans, being African-American, being a woman. That's on the table right now. Certain things that we thought we had talked about had gone beyond in the 60s and the 70s that we thought that this change had been embedded is now being challenged today. So to look at what's going on today, whether that's about being a woman, whether it's being black, transgender, whether that's about coming from another country or not being allowed to come into this country right now because that needs to be discussed no matter what side of the issue you stand on. I think to bring community together is something that theater can do to put these things on the stage and to provoke these conversations. And that's what um, Fordham University is doing with your play, Magnolia, uh, and with the series of plays uh, looking at who we are as Americans and kind of bringing up these questions. I don't know if they're going to be answered, but I think it might be able to spark a good, good conversation. Yes. How do you use your wide range of professional experience in this academic setting? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm imparting to the students here what it takes to put on a play from first day reading around the table to putting it on its feet in the rehearsal room to hitting the stage through tech and its challenges to opening the doors up to an audience. What's the process as an actor to create a character from the ground up, from the page to the stage, and during the run as well? As well, uh, There are specific steps that you need to take to embody a character and bring it to life fully. I find that um, when I'm doing my little bit of writing, not as much as you, little bit of writing, my biggest challenge is knowing when to stop editing, knowing when to stop myself and say, that's enough, the story's told. Um, What what are some of the challenges that you find when you're trying to write that story or get that that point across in in, in your playwriting? It is to, to capture, for me, my plays start from questions that I have. And so there's a debate. There's a debate between different characters, and I have to fully own the voices of each of the characters, uh, even though their opinions may not be mine. I have to figure out what uh, perspectives they have and fully embrace those perspectives and bring that to the front and center in the questioning. The characters are questioning each other. That's a challenge that I have to bring the truth of each of the characters to the work, to try and find what that truth is, because it it shifts. Uh, The truth shifts according to who's looking at it. Do you ever find you have to research? Like, do you do research? Oh, I do a lot of research, yes. To get the character and the the right background for the character that you're looking for? Yes, and that comes from uh, reading as well as talking to people. So, Regina, you played the first African-American woman on Broadway to play Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So what can playwrights and producers and directors do in order to make Broadway or any theater more inclusive and diverse? I, I think you have to have that mindset that 
We're seeing across the board uh, right now that we are bankable, uh, that uh, if you have black leads in films and TV and in theater, uh, we are bankable. Uh, I think that's the bottom line. So as long as we're bankable, then there's are we, we have more of a voice in the room, do you think? I think in the entertainment business, uh, uh, I think in the past they've said that we won't fill a house or, you know, it's, it's, it's monetary, it, it, the, the decisions are, are, are about money. And I think that at this moment in time we're seeing African Americans across the board film, TV, theater, who are showing that we are bankable. What are some of your favorite types of roles to play? You've played so many. <laughs> uh, I, I like flawed characters. I, I like, you know, uh, with every character, if they're human, they have flaws. Uh, I find interest in large and small roles, playing these glimpses of, of, of uh, the life of a human being with their tenacity, with their dreams, with their hatreds, as well as their needs. And looking back on your career, was there ever a performance where you, in hindsight, you're going, you know what, I would have done that differently? I think and what's wonderful about theater is that every night you can make some different choices. You have to follow the markers that are set, the map that's set for the play, for the play's journey and the character's journey. But each night is very different. You and Denzel starred uh, together in Courage Under Fire, and uh, now you're the Denzel Washington Endowed Chair in Theater at Fordham. How did that come about? I got a call from Matthew McGuire saying, would you like to accept this great honor? And I said, absolutely, <laughs> of course, and yes. <laughs> it was a, a huge surprise. I had talked to Adrian Kennedy, amazing playwright who had had a production here at Fordham uh, the year prior and she said uh, what a wonderful school it was and that I should reach out to uh, see how I might work with them and, and, and so I did because uh, I, I admire respect Adrian so much uh, reached out to the school I talked to Carla Jackson had a meeting with Matthew McGuire and it was Who to runs see, the theater department here. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes, to see how I might do a workshop with the students. And they came back and, and made this offer. I was so deeply humbled, so very happy, uh, so greatly honored uh, to accept this chair with all that that means and wanted to do him proud, uh, Mr. Denzel Washington, <laughs> someone that I admire so much for everything that he's done. How did you feel when he won his first Academy Award? Were you watching? Absolutely, <laughs> How yes. Did you feel? I, I have watched Denzel every step of the way and uh, have cheered uh, for every accolade that he so richly deserves. So, Regina, what are you doing next? I am continuing in the season with uh, three plays in this coming season. Uh, one, I call this time a season of resistance plays. It started earlier this year when I worked with Carthage College uh, 
to uh, have a play of mine produced there called A Seat at the Table about Fannie Lohamer. Fannie Lohamer being a civil rights activist, uh, voting rights uh, in uh, the 60s, 1964. She came uh, to the forefront uh, with the Democratic National Convention demanding that uh, LBJ seat her delegates who were an integrated Mississippi delegation and unseat the segregated Mississippi delegation. Uh, amazing force of nature is Fannie O'Hamer. That was the first. Coming here to do Magnolia, this resistance play about uh, race and gender in this country, to next I'll do Crowns, which is co-production between the McCarter Theater and Longhorn Theater. Crowns is about a young girl, Yolanda, 17 years old, whose brother shot on the streets of Chicago, and her mother trying to reclaim her daughter's life so she won't end up as uh, another black body uh, stacked, just as her brother sends her daughter down south to live with her grandmother, who is a hat queen. She thinks she doesn't have anything in common with uh, her grandmother or this circle of friends that she introduces her to until she hears the stories that uh, each hat holds. Cupped under the brim are stories about uh, weddings, uh, baptisms, funerals, these markers in a life. Uh, she then understands that you know, we all go through these cycles. Uh, we're held together uh, by these common bonds and so they can reclaim her and send her back to Chicago with a new perspective and knowing that she has a community communities behind her that will help lift her up through the rough times I'd like to thank my guest, actress, playwright, director, Regina Taylor I'd also like to thank my producer Patrick Rusimano and Marina Koff you can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.